Hello folks, welcome back to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined tonight by... Cameron Allen. Well hey, good to have you back on. Um, it's been, uh, been trying to line this up for a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. As is the usual thing with the podcast, it's never easy one way or the other, but um, usually it's been my fault recently, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be back on, we, we always get it lined up at some stage. Now, it was a little while since you were last on, um, we'd done a bit in uh, Team Trucking Driver about what it is that you do, um, if people aren't like that familiar, do you just want to kind of remind people about your um, the sort of family business and what it is you do with your truck, because you're an owner driver kind of moving your own goods most of the time, isn't it? Yeah, so the company's called Chirpy Bird Food Limited and we're a animal feed wholesaler. We supply the likes of garden centres, pet shops, general merchants, livery yards, all them kinds of places with anything from wild bird seeds right through to horse feeds, poultry feeds, um, waterfowl feeds, some pig feeds and stuff. We don't really do any other agricultural stuff. It's all sort of equine and more along the lines of small holding feeds. So mm. we, we distribute that across the whole of Ireland and parts of Scotland. And then we do, we'd be in and out of England then collecting loads and bringing bringing stock back into into the yard then. Uh, and I mean, you, remember you'd upgraded, you'd originally started out with a seven and a half tonner and then more recently you'd, you'd got yourself your Arctic, which you're sitting in at the moment. Yeah, I'm sitting in the 2014 DAF XF Superspace with a 35 foot urban tag lift trailer. So it's handy for in and out of all the places I be. And then we hire a, a 45 foot one we need it for going across the water. Hi, do. So where are you t- so where are you tonight? Tonight I am in Stone Car Park at the side of the N eighty in County Carlow. You far so, from home? Yeah, I'd be probably four, four and a half hours from home uh, where I am here. But I'm heading up towards Kildare in the morning to lift a load of stock that's come in out of Holland and then I am delivering most of that load to a customer in Sligo, and then I'll be heading on up then towards the yard tomorrow afternoon sometime. Cool. Now, over the past uh, couple of weeks and everything, we've been chatting about your, your truck. How long have you had the DAF for? I will have had it, we'll have it two years now, in June. Now, unfortunately, you've been having a bit of bother with the truck, eh? Well, uh, yeah. it's, it's had a few issues here and there, and I think, you know, it is, it's, I think the, the rules have totally changed with sort of second-hand trucks, trucks that are sort of eight, nine years old. Because if you go back 10, 20 years, trucks around that age were a lot simpler. So if you were buying something with 700,000 kilometres on it or whatever, it didn't have a lot of stuff to go wrong on it. But I think trucks around this age now, you know, it can be pretty, uh, they're very complex. And if things start to go wrong, um, it can get pretty expensive. I don't, I think, well, yeah, I agree with you. There's just too much technology in them. And I suppose all the new lorries now are even worse. They have a lot more technology than even this here in this 2014. <laughs> but Absolutely. Um, well, they're going to be like in eight or nine years time, you know, with Euro 6 step D technology and them and even more sensors and, and things in them. They're wonderful when they're new, but they know they've got a, they've got to last 10, 12 years at a minimum, really. They well, <laughs> that's, that, that's what you'd like to get out of them. Like mm-hmm. this, this is only sitting with 550,000 on it. Um, and it's had already as, as a substantial amount of money spent on it since sort of August time last year. There was a few issues started to go wrong, so I had to, had to put injectors in it there in October. 
at six injectors and at six hundred and fifty pound a piece. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so I had those in, and then Christmas week, the clutch dropped out, so I had to put that in as well. That's not a lot of mileage for a clutch, really, like, it's usually not the clutch that goes on them, it's the the thrust bearing that goes, and because that goes, you end up replacing the whole lot on it, but that's mainly because people don't take them out of gear ever. But yeah, that's interesting, um, that's interesting that the clutch went on it at that, at that point, you know, because it's supposed to be with automatic, so you shouldn't really need to replace the clutch anymore. Clearly not. Uh, well, from what I could gather, the, they seem to, anybody I've asked, have changed clutches in them in around sort of between three and four. This is a, the dealer really? does, does all my, yeah, the dealer does all the maintenance to this and has done with the previous owner as well. And they checked back and that was its first clutch. So That's not, um, a, lot, that's not a lot of mileage for a tractor unit, really. Like I would be expecting to get more than that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I don't know. I'm no expert. Well, I, I'll put it down to this being an ex-milk lorry, so it probably would have had a lot more yeah. up and down uh, gears on, on roads and then engaging. Yeah, it does, of course, stuff. depend. It, it depends if you're sitting on the motorway doing a lot of trunking work, then the clutch isn't you know under any strain. And if you're up and down the gears, going in and out of places all the time, then, of course, it's going to put a, a, a whole load more wear on the driveline for things. But uh, I suppose... Being injectors and the clutching things. I mean, I guess you would have been hoping that you'd be thinking, you know, that yeah, that will be sorted and it'll be good. It'll be kind of good to go going forward. Well, I, I had hoped that, and then in <laughs> uh, and around, in and around, then at Christmas time as well, it started bringing on the taking notions of the engine light coming on and off, but it wouldn't log it. It would flash it three times over, and then it would disappear for an hour or two, and then it would just continue to do it, and as gradually it got worse, but turns out it needs a back pressure valve so it's getting that done uh, next week which is quite a costly piece of equipment the back pressure valve is over three grand so it is wow what does it even um, do is, so, like, is it part of the turbo charging sort of assembly with the exhaust with back pressure it must um, be to do with the it, exhaust, yeah eh? it's it's to do with the exhaust that does come off the the turbo but i'm getting the turbo done as well which again is over three thousand so that both them's being done and we looked into it the dpf's never been done either so uh, it's getting replaced or read out as well so i'm hoping after all that apart from the water pump i should be good to go for a while you would yeah you would think so i because it, is, it isn't an awful lot of um mileage overall because you're wearing tear on the other components of the trucks you know i mean they, a lot of fleets generally wouldn't get rid of wouldn't get rid of a truck with that that sort of mileage on it. So yeah, kind of uh, hope that you'll be good to go for a for a good um, while after that. Because I guess your next step would be, you you want to kind of be stepping up sort of every time. So you'd be wanting to be getting something that was pretty new after that. You know, you always want to, when you change up, you want to kind of go up a step every time. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, that's that's where we're aiming. And I just I think. I think this has just decided it really wanted to test uh, how loyal I was to it because um, <laughs> about, I think it was, we were chatting about it a couple of weeks ago. It was one week I, I had uh, four breakdowns in the one week with with different issues on the Monday morning. I got, I did about 30 mile and it cracked the header tank open. Well, it just, did it just um, crack from wear and tear like? It just broke. It wasn't like it was getting pressurized or anything like that. Right? It wasn't getting pressurized. Apparently, it's a, a common fault in the non genuine header tanks. 
I know a few men that have replaced them several times on certain trucks off the daft make. Um, so I had to put that in. And for a lovely foot by foot box of plastic, it was seven hundred and fifty quid. Wow! Because literally, yeah. I had a header tank. Is it's just if anybody that's listening that is not mechanically minded, it is a plastic tank that holds coolant, which expands yep. out the radiator and goes round. It's really not a technical piece of equipment. You'd like to be interested to see the profit margin on that bad boy. I take it that's genuine daft you put on it, like a Packard part. Yeah, it was. I don't. I I believe in putting genuine parts on. I think they they generally are worth it. Plus, you get a better warranty on them as well. But I did that, and then the next day I did about two hours, and then it burst the main water feed pipe in. So that was the side of the road job for a couple of hours as well. So that week I I got plenty of use of um the cab jack. Is that still working all right? It's not leaking oil and letting the cab go back down again. Still in good. I was good. At- <laughs> I was. I was expecting it to start leaking at some stage. It was up and down that much, but no, it's 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 still intact, thankfully. Oh well, oh that's good. Oh, you know the 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 ups and downs um, of lorries and owning them and running them. You know the the down the, the downs can be quite severe at times. Eh? That's I mean in January as well. All that's been going on as well. The most depressing month of the year. Well, oh, yeah, man. Plus, uh, that was after. That was after a week of snow, so I spent the the week before just getting stuck everywhere I went. So it was it was pretty good crack now, to be honest. Like sort of just at the road, you can't, if you can't if you if what, you can't do anything else but laugh sometimes because if you didn't, you'd cry. Oh well, I was crying, believe me. <laughs> So it's, but hopefully that's it's going to be good to go after good to go after that. Fingers crossed, it will be all right. Do you have, do you have any um, plans coming up for for this year for the business or like personally to do with trucks stuff like that? You planning to get out anywhere or well, uh, I'm do, do a, some I'm new a, routes or anything like that or things? Getting a XG out in demo next week. Well, this is in getting the work done, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, you'll enjoy that, aye. What, um, what spec is it? Is it a, like a 530 with a mirror cam sort of thing? Um, I'm pretty sure it's a 530, but I don't I don't know if it's mirror cam or not. Um, Have you driven anything no. with mirror cams in it before? Actros, briefly, just. Mm-hmm. Oh, test drive sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, how did you get on with it? Did you, what did you reckon to it? Because when you had an Actros, you've driven Mercs in the past. Yeah, I've driven Mercs in the past. I, I, I am quite prone to Mercedes. I do like them. Um... I like the mirror cams. I can't fault them. I, th- I think if the I DAF's th- got it, you'll like them because that seems to be the best of the bunch at the moment. They seem to have it pretty well sorted. Everybody that I've spoken to seems to seems to quite like them. Even the guys that aren't that keen on them say, well, you know, it does it does do what it's supposed to do. I drove one last year and I can't for the life of me remember much about it, which is a good thing because if it annoyed me, I would have definitely remembered it. It must have worked yeah. all right. <laughs> I think they are... I definitely think they're beneficial and I think they'd suit a lot of the work I do with being in tight yards and having to do blind sides and stuff. It, it would definitely be beneficial that way. I know a lot of people say they, they dislike them. I think that's... Personally, I think it's down to spending time in it. If you spend enough time in it, I drove mm-hmm. it for an hour and I I liked it. I think, yes, there's possibly certain jobs that wouldn't suit the likes of maybe low loaders, wide loads, Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe extended trailers and stuff like that. It wouldn't be just as suitable for that. Mm-hmm. But then I could be wrong. I'm just I'm I'm thinking that in my head. They mightn't suit that work just as well. 
But yeah, no, uh, some of them have actually got like the low loader heavy haulage guys, or some of them have got both. They've got the mirror cams yeah. and they've fitted the mirrors as well because um, just to get that pin sharp sort of vision that you need because they're a little bit low resolution um, if you're looking kind of f- further back into things. I tell you, I was out photographing trucks with Peter Davies the other day and I tell you what, there's a lot, it's a popular option on the DAFs. We were kind of like, I was kind of like totting up the trucks that were going along the road and there were loads and loads of new MANs and loads and loads of new DAFs and a lot of them had the mirror cam option on them there was a lot of mercs uh, knocking about as well but not as many uh, new mercs with the mirror cams on them I noticed it uh, if I was doing a straw poll for the side of the road there I would say that at the, at the moment for new trucks it's DAF and MAN that seem to be the most the most popular from my um, roadside polling from the A421 um, yeah. But you like it. You like that XG. The kit. when you look, it's really clever the way that DAF interpreted those new regulations to make the cab bigger. Because you look behind you and look, the bunk's just massive. There's so much space in it, and a lot of guys are just going for the XG. I think rather than the XG plus because the cab is just so big in it that you don't you don't need anything else. And I, I think that it's not worth taking the price jump up to the XG plus, which is just gigantic. But no, you'll have a good you'll have a good time with that. I think they'll, they'll notice they seem to be more lively as well. Those new five thirty dafts compared to the the, the outgoing XF one. They've, although the power outputs are sort of the same on paper, there seems to be more. There's more low down torque there, and they seem to be like um, more snappy off the line. It feels kind of more like it's a five thirty. Yeah, interesting to see what you think of it. Is that coming from the DAF dealer? Is it? Yeah, it's coming from TBF Thompson um, up in Malusk there. They're the, the dealer I work with. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting it. It has been on the, the books to get. Um, it's just been fully booked up until next week. So, yeah, look, looking forward to getting it. I'm down in London at the moment uh, in Sutton for another couple of days. So we've got a, I've got a meeting with Volvo tomorrow and then I've got to head back up the road again. I'm leaving it later on to leave because the traffic's that bad to get back to London but it's kind of weighing it up versus what the road closures are going to be like in the M6 at night because that's yeah. absolutely guaranteed to go and mess me up if that's the only set of road closures. See, in Ireland, do they, do they shut the motorways all the time at night or is this just kind of mainly an English thing? No, it's, it's, it's definitely <laughs> an English thing. When they do close them over here at night, they don't do it that often, to be honest. But then we don't have that many motorways either. So, mm. um, but yeah, there was a couple of weeks ago. I was coming up, I was coming up the road from Ipswich, and the A1 was closed at Markham Moor because of of a burst water main that was going straight up into the air over the motorway. Oh, did you so see? They it? had us coming. I seen a picture of it. Oh, um, cool. Well, not cool and, if you got stuck in it, but, you know, interesting. <laughs> well, they, they, they closed it because it was to freeze that night and they couldn't risk it freezing because it was back in January when the when it was into the, the minuses at night. So they closed it, diverted back up there uh, at Markham Moor, across up for Scunthorpe onto the M180, and back down onto the A1 again. Oh, um, I got as far as... Point nine of a mile away from Weatherby, I was at four hours and one minute driving, and mm. there was an accident at the Weatherby junction, oh. and it was tailed the whole way back for point nine of a mile, and that's where I was sitting. Stopped, sat for about five ten minutes, and I was like, right, I'll I'll chance it and see if I can get a a forty five here. Mm-hmm. 
sitting here. So stuck at the brake, put the microwave on, got a bite to eat. I got to 39 minutes and the traffic started moving. Oh, God, man. Oh. Uh, I was raging. And I got up into Weatherby and this is coming on then. Oh, it was pushing, I think it was pushing half nine at night. So you know yourself, Weatherby was pretty full trying to get a space and there was three or four of us that all tried the same on the motorway to try and get the get the brake took and we all went into to Weatherby then to try and get the the rest of the brake taken so yeah that was a, a fun night and then I only made it up as far as the second set of laybys on the A66 oh, oh. Well, at least so, did, you, did you get into one of the laybys in the 66 okay? yeah I think it was the second oh. or third one uh, heading towards Penrith I got into it but uh, it was a rough night's sleep. It was, uh, you know, you know the way there's some of the ones you can get right off the motorway and then there was... Yeah, the uh, those ones are always filled pretty early. You know, if you're coming in yeah. later on, you'll get one, but it's probably the one that's directly beside the road. And of course, the amount of night trunk traffic on the A66 that's all sitting flat chap, 56 mile an hour, you would have been getting rocked to side, side to side nicely all night. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very rocky that night now, to be fair. Um... So, yeah, that was that was fun. I'll tell you what, then, the road network, it's, I don't know if it's because ha- it's half term this weekend, but even for the last couple of weeks, any time I've had to go anywhere, there's been accidents everywhere, every single day, all the time. The M25 was wrecked in both directions yesterday. Uh, the M6 was wrecked coming down towards Stafford um, in two different places on Monday. Uh, it's every time you go out somewhere, it just it, you look at Google Maps and there's a big red line and it's like forty five minute delays and I got stuck in a massive one at the M forty two because Highways England were dropping it from four lanes down to one at eight o'clock at night for roadworks and this was mayhem. It took it took about forty minutes to get through the queue there and they were doing. I noticed they've been doing that for weeks. It's farcical trying to get around places, but I'd be curious to know. Is it getting worse, or is this just, you know, an, an anomaly at the moment? I've not managed to get anywhere recently without some sort of bloody accident, and then if there's not an accident, they've shut the road anyway. You know, you can't win. And, yeah, and that's, no, me in, that's me in the car, you know, do, running about yeah. for trucking driver, not even in a lorry, so. Yeah, I've noticed I've noticed over here this past wee while there's even been quite a lot of accidents. I don't know if it's just I've noticed what? them more or if there actually has been more, but there's definitely been a few. And then last week or the week before, and there was a few different accidents involving lorries as well. No, oh, no. It's, I know with cars, they all drive really, really close to each other and people just aren't like paying attention at all. The quieter, more refined cars get. And I suppose you might probably say this about lorries as well. You know, the more of a false sense of security people get, especially with trucks, if you're using sort of the adaptive cruise control and things, which is holding your speed to the vehicle in front and everything, that could, if you get very, very used to doing that and mucking about with things, eh, then one day you'll really, you'll not have it activated and end up ramming up the back of someday you've got to kind of be aware aware of all that technology and the conditions this week are the weather's been absolutely beautiful this week the last couple of days as well i don't know what it's been like in ireland but in the south of england it's been like sort of 15 degrees could not be any better conditions weather-wise crashes everywhere yeah what are you doing i mean i can't say and i've been i've been two accidents this year in the car because my cavalier got written off when i hit that debris on the m40 and then uh, some young guy ran up the back of my Corsa in Armadale the other day as well. 
I was pulled up at a halt at the traffic lights. He came up behind me. We were both pulled up at a halt, and then it went green, and I pulled away, and then he rammed up the back of me. So I got out, and I was there was no damage to my car, but he'd stoved the front end in on his new Fiesta ST line, uh, and he was more worried about that than me and my Corsa, which was a bit disappointing, really. And I was like, gives you details, mate, and he's like, why, what for? Your car's all right. And I'm like, well, that's not how this works, mate. You know, you've hit yeah. me. You can make it split my fuel tank or something. But I says, what's your name, mate? And his second name was Pratt. Not that I want to be, you know, look down upon anybody whose second name's Pratt, but it was uh, appropriate for him anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, my my partner, she was in an accident there as well in January. She was heading up to Belfast. And just before Lisbon services, it was sort of, I think it was on around nine o'clock in the morning so it was the rush hour traffic and it sort of comes down from motorway speed into 40 mm-hmm. and then um she just come into it and she was just sitting there sort of slowly moving along as the traffic does and a, and a golf came straight up the back of her and pushed our car straight into a van so it got scores oh. is she all right that sounds like it would have been quite an impact yeah she was all right um the car well, it was actually, we, we, we took it up this week there to the repairs through the insurance to get checked to see what all needs done to it. But he filled a couple of pages out of stuff it needs. But the golf, the golf airbags and everything went off. It was absolutely total. Aye, that's, you must have been going like a fair old, old lick like, you know. I was I had people saying to me, put a claim in, put a claim in. And I was I'm not putting a claim in for a little dunt like that. You know, my back is sore, but my back's always sore these days anyway for doing too many stupid things over the years, like driving manual Fodens with the wrong seat and car mechanics and sitting at a desk and everything. I'm just generally decrepit. I mean, that's, it, sounds like the, it sounds like the police should have turned up and, you know, checked, did the police turn up and check the driver out and things? Mm. Yeah, the, the police were called out. Um, thankfully, the van that uh, the back, our car run into didn't have any damage. Um, he was happy enough to go on. Her car, the the golf had to be recovered, and then our car is still drivable, but the the back bumpers hanging off, and the all the parking sensors are broke, and the yeah. yeah the the back doors dented, the bonnets dented, the fog lights are broke. The best thing is we only got the car in October, so oh, you're uh, having some running out of vehicles at the moment, hey. We got a news release that came out this week that the Welsh government has decided to stop all road building projects because of climate change. You know, it's basically much needed road networks and infrastructure which will allow cars to move more freely. They've stopped doing it. And in Scotland, um, the SNP, who, where the big news this week was dear leader has gone and resigned. Oh dear, what a terrible shame. They don't have the money to finish dueling the A9 either, so that's not going to happen now. So there's all these road-building projects that aren't going on anymore either, which is just ridiculous because it's needed. You know, if they want to expand and grow the country and things, you can't have these not-fit-for-purpose road networks, and it's not going to make the weather any better if you don't do these roads. Um, And it's just going to make life worse for a lot of people. I don't have a lot of time for any of these devolved government politicians because they've just all got an unlimited expense account and they love a jolly on a private jet meanwhile they lecture all the rest of us 
that we need to be buying electric cars and we shouldn't be going any further than 15 minutes from home. I really do think that we need to invest in road infrastructure in this country. England seems to be a bit better at it, um, but then I think because we've got these devolved administrations, I think that they like to do the opposite of what the British government's doing just to make like a point to make things sort of complicated, you know. And I suppose that rolls out in Northern Ireland as, as well with the rest of the UK and things. It's probably just as complicated. I mean, what, what's it like for truck parking and facilities in Ireland versus Northern Ireland sort of compared to the UK? Because in Ireland, one of the first things that you'll notice when you go out in the road network is how fantastic the service stations are because they've all got hot deli counters in them. You know, it's all this like yeah. proper food that you get. And in the UK, most of the time, it's overpriced sandwiches or overpriced costas or an overpriced Greggs, and it's all pretty rubbish. And it occurred to me that at least it, like those roadside places in Ireland seem to be a lot better than what they were in the UK. Well, I have to agree the. The services down in in the south of Ireland are definitely better than in the north and the UK. Um, first, you don't have to pay to park in them, and secondly, I think, well, if you compare it to the likes of a Moto or a Road Chef, they're cleaner in general, mm. and they would be. Well, we don't have the same issue as well with needing secure parking as such because. We don't have the same amount of things going on with getting your your curtains and stuff sliced. But in the north, we don't. There's not a lot of lorry services in the north because there's not that many motorways in the north. Yeah. Like there's only a handful. You have the two Lisburn services, mm-hmm. northbound, southbound. There's one at Hillsborough, one at Dromore, uh, Temple Patrick, and Balamina, Dungannon. Yeah, off the top of my head, those are the really only ones in the north that are set up for HGV parking. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the south, like you have these new plazas that have come about in the past few years, which are one of my favourites uh, to park in down here because they are immaculate. Plus you have Supermax instead of McDonald's, which I'd rather have every day as well. Supermax? Um, what is, what is Supermax? Never heard of that before. Is it like uh, fast food sort of thing? It's like McDonald's, but better. Right. So mm. you get you can get your burgers, your chicken burgers, but then you can get like KFC chicken boxes in it, except it's mm. not KFC chicken boxes. And then your fries, you can have plain fries, or you can have loaded fries, which come with like, you can either get garlic and cheese on them, curry and cheese, curry, gravy, mm. taco, plus the portions are far better as well. And then along with Supermax, you have... Papa John's Pizza as well. Oh, you do get them in the UK, but you certainly don't get them um, by the roadside too much as far as I'm aware. Every Supermax at the services and the plazas over here have a Papa John's and a Super Subs, I think it is. So it's the Irish version of Subway. Um, And Hmm. everything's made fresh as well. So, yeah, you have those... Um, again, you don't have to pay for the parking. That's crazy. How can, what's what's the economic model? What is it that's so different in Ireland? Because I know that like there's a lot of issues with truck parking and land. Like the rates you've got to pay in Britain are so high that it does in a way mean that the that parking has to be chargeable for that reason. But then again, we know that the big motorway service providers have been absolutely coining it in for years. 
in offering like nothing in return. So it's curious that they're able to charge nothing whatsoever for their parking. That's fascinating. That how did how do they do that and make it work? There must be well, suppose, a sort of well, they're obviously bringing in they'll be bringing in money from like they have like all those plazas have like a sparse shop than your your supermax and they all have a deli like a a carvery deli where you can get that food as well but then they have your filling station as well on them and all the supermax have like a drive-through so i'm assuming that's how they somehow Mm. recoup where they don't have to charge for lorries which i think is brilliant and some of them you have to pay for a shower but you don't mind spending three quid for a shower at the end of no, the day, no. it's a clean shower. No, not at all. Not if you're getting like parking for free like that. I mean, I was at, I probably mentioned it in the podcast before, I was at the Hollies truck stop in Cannock, where uh, the yeah. roads transport minister, Richard Holden, was there. And he was talking about the government are going to, they're investing money in improving facilities. But it's not that straightforward because it's a cash, it's a price matching scheme. So if you want a hundred grand, you've got to have a hundred grand to match it to get it for the government. And you can't spend it on new premises. It has to be existing ones. Um, and it has yeah. to be close to sort of strategic road network and all that. So, well, I guess most truck stops pro- probably are. But they've finally recognised that there's such a big, a big problem with it all. But again, that's England only. The devolved administrations have got to go and deal with all that themselves. And at least the British government is saying something along the lines that it is correct, and they're at least making a start to address it. But nothing is happening in the other countries with the devolved administrations because they've all got to go and do do their own thing. So any truck parking improvements in England, Wales, Northern Ireland, then it's not going to happen because of that. So I'm dubious as to how much an improvement will actually be made. Um, But, you know, at least it's a start. I would like to go and see what improvements actually get rolled out uh, because truck drivers, you know, said the parking needs to be available, facilities need to be clean, you know, it needs to be sort of affordable. It's, it's really easy to please lorry drivers. They don't want much at all. They're really not asking for very much, which is a frustrating thing. So we'll see what happens with that. The deadline for applications for that's the end of February. Uh, and I, I don't, I, I'll be interested to see how much of the £100 million actually gets taken up in total because otherwise it'll go back into the treasury but i'm not sure like a lot of companies can afford to take full advantage of it because it's a price matching thing and i reckon they've kept it pretty quiet a lot of people don't even know about it so you know we we shall see but of course i mean anytime i'm out out driving i try and avoid parking in a motorway services overnight like i'll you know i'll run over my time to go and get somewhere else because I'm not like driving all the time, you know. I'll just take the chance with that. There's <laughs> sometimes when I'm across there, I don't mind not parking in a services if I don't because I have a microwave and food and stuff with me. So in general, I don't mind unless I need a shower or etc. But yeah, I try if I have to go to a truck stop, I try to go to the independent ones rather than the likes of uh, Moto or mm-hmm. uh, Road Chef and ones like that. I'd far rather give the money to the independent ones or the family-run ones because generally they are better and generally they are secure parking and it's proper food instead of fast food. 
Yeah, I really hope those the independent family-run truck stops can get a hold of some of this money for th- for things like that as well. But if you're just you know, it's not easy if you're like sort of scraping along and just getting by with everything, and you've got high overheads and the price of everything's gone up, then it might it's not necessarily that easy to have the money up front to get matched with the government. I think they were quite sneaky in the way that made it a, made it a price matching thing, so it made it more difficult for companies to access it and also I think they should have made it available to people that want to build new facilities because it's not just adding on to the ones that are there we need new places and besides the point I mean facilities have shut in recent times and they haven't been replaced and nothing's been done about it you know Lockerbie got shut in Scotland where have yeah. all the trucks gone from there the feckin' diner and Heather Gill up the road and everything they don't have the capacity for that Johnston Bridge is a gigantic craters on it, it floods and it's rip-off services prices as well. It, it's not easy to get parked in certain parts of the country and um, it's we need new places and I reckon people should get the support with that. I would like to see, a lot of it's down to the rates as well because a truck stop takes up so much land, you get your business rates are charged on the amount of space that your business takes up. And by its definition, a truck stop takes up a whole load of space. And I think it should be considered there should be some sort of an exemption for critical infrastructure so truck stops can um, sort of don't get charged the sort of full whack for occupying all this land. So if they don't have such great big overheads, it means that they can charge less for parking, which was then makes like makes life a little bit easier for the hauliers and the drivers as well. Because of course not all drivers get their parking paid for still. They'll get night out money, but it's up to them what they do with it. If they spend it in a truck stop, then they spend it in a truck stop. But if they don't, then they can keep it. And uh, that's when you end up, you get guys who really try and avoid parking truck stops at all sorts of, uh, at all costs. Because, you know, they kind of factor that into their wages. And I've been in that situation before as well. Where I'm like, yeah, it's Thursday and I've not once paid to park anywhere this week. That's going to be a profitable week for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. It's... I think across the board uh, in the north of Ireland and the UK as well, I do think that there should be more infrastructure uh, set aside for HGV parking. Um, and I do think the prices should be lowered. I, I don't mind paying to park somewhere if it's mm-hmm. secure, if it's clean. At the end of the day, I wouldn't be overly bothered if you couldn't get food at it, maybe a shop if you can like buy milk or something to drink mm. and stuff. But mm, I suppose a lot of lorries these days are set up with your microwave and stuff anyway. Yeah, that's especially with the pandemic. I mean, drivers have got to be really fully self-sufficient. And the problem you've got with a lot of these shops and things is, as well in these places, the motorway services and all that, that they're really, really overpriced as well. So it's not an attractive yeah. proposition for people to go into because the food's often not fantastic and it's really overpriced. And, of course, a microwave's becoming more and more standard spec in trucks, and rightfully so. And that kind of yeah, came no. on that came on a lot more in sort of twenty twenty off the back of the pandemic and nobody could get anything to bloody eat and everything. And you know, I think when, there needs to be a sort of look back on everything that happened there. Now we've got some hindsight with it to go and look back on it. Because if you think back how completely insane it was, people couldn't go to the toilet. They weren't allowed to use toilets anywhere. It was absolutely bonkers. And then people were getting handed like sandwiches through like a little slot and a, a perspex screen and nobody was allowed to sit in anywhere. It was crazy times like. It was the, I have to say over here, we weren't as bad as mainland because apart from the apple greens, mm-hmm. 
all the delis and all of your filling stations were still operational throughout mm-hmm. lockdown. So you could still get hot food and you could still go to the toilet and stuff. But that's all the Apple Greens were letting you do. Get your fuel and go to the toilet. They weren't letting you use the likes of uh, Burger King or Greggs and all that. Bonkers, eh? It was cra- crazy times. Like, at one point, we were starting to shut showers down with no sort of back and proper, like, COVID paranoia and everything. But I see that those apple greens have started to appear in the UK quite a bit now. And I, for years, that was always an Irish thing. Uh, I, was yeah, an, I was in an apple green the other day getting super unleaded, which they had, which I was pleased about, because I don't buy E10 because it, it's shite. <laughs> yeah. I've seen there's, uh, there's a couple down the A1 there I've seen mm-hmm. before. They're not the handiest to get lorries in, might have right now. Ah, it's not something I'm that familiar with in the UK, but I said I'd, I'd found one. So I take it they must have bought out like a franchise and brought a whole load of them in. So I don't actually know how involved they are with like truck diesel in the UK, things like that. So we'll, uh, I'm going to note that down around my notepad here. Find out more about Apple Green. I know there's a lot of people who are on Apple Green fuel cards over here. I right. don't know what their what their English rate would be for fuel. That's one thing about living in the north; it's cheaper for us to fill in the south. And yeah, I pay a euro. I pay a uh, euro price. So. That's interesting. I remember it used to be a lot cheaper in the south. Like going back two thousand and five, two thousand and six, it was vastly cheaper. I mean, it might, that was just the time that I was first over there and realised it. And it was like, don't fill your vehicle in the north. Always go to the south and fill it up there, because there was such a yeah. big difference in the price. And it was closed up a lot. It's uh, closed up a lot now in sort of recent years. We're going to try and do... The fuel cards are a, are a weird thing. It, seem, it seems to be, I don't know, some people get a good deal off one card, some people get a good deal off another. Like when I've been driving for different people, they might say, use the key fuels card or, you know, use the BP card, use that if you can. It's the one with the best rate if you've got a choice of cards to go to go and use. Um, and I, I don't quite... I guess it must be... I don't know, it must be down to how much they like you. Or something. Does everybody get a different diesel price? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of them say. <laughs> there's a lot of them say that the, it's one price for all, but it's. I don't believe all. that for a second. No, no way. There's Not no the way, way that I've seen it I have, nah. I have like we. I have Circle K, DCI, Morgans, and if I don't use DCI for a week, they will be mm. on to me. Why did you mm. not use the card this week? I was mm. like, well, Circle K were six pence cheaper or six cent cheaper mm-hmm. they're like all right okay well next week we'll be six cent cheaper mm-hmm. um and dci are good at that compared mm-hmm. to the rest of them they will drop the price if the competition in mm-hmm. general is dear but if you don't keep on top of it they will just keep creeping it up and up and up and not tell you uh that's a, i suppose that's an important thing when you're burning your own diesel you know that's that's definitely something that you need to keep an eye on with things. We're gonna do. I've got, I've got a meeting with Volvo, the guys for Volvo tomorrow in Sutton. Our new editor Andy's coming in as well. Uh, and hopefully, we're gonna be doing like a special issue all around Volvo. Hoping to do, uh, we're gonna do another Scania one because it did so well last year. Uh, there's such an appetite for Scania content out there. I must say. Um, yeah. And we're going to be doing, hopefully, do one in Volvo, one in DAF. And I wanted to do British Trucks and Crew. I wanted to do, we're going to do owner drivers as well, which will be a good one. And um, new drivers. Yep. We want to look at new drivers to the industry as well, because of, there was this big, huge push in the last sort of year or two to get more drivers into the industry. And it seems that they've got a lot 
more people co- coming in. I was at um, HD Ricket on last Saturday where we did a photo shoot. We're going to do an article in one of the drivers there. Ella, she's um, the daughter of Simon who drives uh, there. She's part of the family business. And Ella's uh, driving an Arctic. She's 19 years old. Uh, and that made me feel very old because I'm 43 and I'm old enough to be a dad. <laughs> I, was, I, was, my, I was pulled up in the Vectra and she uh, realised that my Vectra was older than she was. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's good to see kind of new people coming into the industry that are kind of uh, passionate about it. But so often you'll find it's because the family's got a background in trucks and they've grown up with it and things. So hopefully with the new drivers issue, I, I want to go out and speak to like a variety of people with different backgrounds. You know, there's obviously you've got lots of people who've like grown up with it and it's in their blood, but there's other people... I'd like to go and speak to other people who are like, you know, they were maybe like librarians or, you know, plumbers and things and they just uh, had to answer the call of the road and decided to get into it and what they make of all this madness, you know, because, you know, it's um, when it's good, it's the best job in the world and when it's bad, you know, as you know this month, it can be pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, it's I I always loved it, but it's, I don't know. I, get- I know I was sort of brought up around lorries as well, but mm-hmm. you, you would wonder what sort of somebody that maybe has had no interest or reared around it at all, and then they go to it. I, I'd, I'd be interested to see how yeah, they really. find it compared to yeah. somebody growing up knowing yeah. it, because it, yeah, it is a, it's a big industry and it is a difficult industry. Yeah, it's so diverse as well. All the different kind of different lorry driving jobs that you can do. So, there's so many different things, and a lot of lorry drivers. It isn't just driving a lorry that they do either. There's something else involved in their job. It might be with cranes or industrial equipment that they're carrying as well. Uh, so they've got a lot of quite specialised yeah. things. So yeah, the good thing is now, uh, now that I'm editor at large and not editor, I can devote a lot more time to putting this sort of content together because I don't have to go and make sure that I'm signing the magazine off and doing all those kind of things as well because we've got Andy there now, which is fantastic. Um, and it's going to be his first issue proper on the next one. It's kind of I say we're kind of working kind of side by side on the one which comes out on Friday. It'll be out the time this podcast comes out. It's got LW Surfless uh, Gordon Spence's R five eighty on the cover. Another fantastic truck. That one's yeah. from Northern Ireland. We've had loads of good Irish content in the magazine, and we do seem to have a good following from Ireland. Yeah, Gordon looks after that. That Scania well now. It's a lovely lorry, so it is. Oh, it looks great in the, this lush, bright red and everything. Oh, it looks nice. We're supposed to be getting the new paper as well in June. You know, it's supposed to be happening. I'll believe it when I see it, but it'll be nice when we go and print nice shiny red lorries and they look <laughs> glorious shiny red on the paper, you know. It'll be so nice to do that. Um, but I, I mean, just to, to finish this uh, one off, any other business or anything like that? Not off the top of my head that I can think of, apart from... No. Cool. Get, well, getting got, this XG next week. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I, I have got one one thing which I remember just at the end here. I got an email today um, from a PR company working for the government of Western Australia who are going to be having a massive push to recruit truck drivers from the UK and Ireland to move to Australia because since Brexit, 
there's been this UK-Australia free trade deal, which is going to make it a lot easier for people to come to Australia to work. And they're looking for all sorts of skilled professions, which is interesting. And the, I'm going to go and interview the representatives that are coming over from the government. And they were giving it the big licks in this press release. It's sand, it's surf, it's better living standards. Everything is better in Australia. And I'm like, well, I don't know. You've got like spiders and snakes and all sorts of assorted other things that bite you, including, <laughs> including those spiders that hide under the toilet seat and bite you on the balls. Uh, it's not as straightforward as we think and I was like well if they, uh, they were really selling it and I'm like well I need we need to I need to speak to Paul about this because Paul's the expert he's been to Australia and he's lived there for a, like a long long he lives out there for a long time did a lot of work and everything and I was thinking yeah well if the job's that great and the lifestyle's that fantastic for everybody then how come the Australian people aren't doing it <laughs> but they've got yeah. a lot of they've got a lot of vacancies. Look out from the truck and driver media channels. If you're listening to this thing, oh my god, the very thing, Australia. I want to go and do that. Keep an eye on our social media channels over the next week or so because they're introducing. They've got these job fairs, and I know one's in Edinburgh and one's in Dublin. There's no doubt the one in London as well. But I assume that you can go because I went to one for Canada in 2016. Um, where, I very, where I was all signed up to move out there pretty much and it fell through um, and that'll have, that'll have employers out there who you can speak to and potentially sign up to get out there and get get working it's just as well it's not Canada that's doing this push or I would be you know I'd be having like sweats on again and thinking god I'm out of here you know is it something you ever a lot of people do it is it something you've ever fancied going like uh, away to work abroad or have you always kind of been that heavily involved with the family business side of things I've, I've thought about it but it's been more sort of fleeting moments you've thought maybe maybe it would have been a good thing to to do once upon a time but yeah, i i, I don't know it's curious like because i really wanted to go to canada and everyone but i'm pretty settled here now but then again i've got no kids and i look like i've only got my two cats and if i could take the cats with me and they'll be happy then you know as sad as that sounds you know uh, it would, it would be, I, I don't know, I don't want to go and get massively distracted. I'm probably too old. I bet there's age limitations with Australia. And uh, I don't know, because they had crazy vaccine regulations in Australia as well. Like They wanted everybody to be fully vaxxed and boosted. And if you weren't, then you weren't allowed out your house and you weren't allowed to travel anywhere and all this kind of nonsense. And we're really scarily authoritarian with that. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what Australia's situation was like. is like that. Now, but yeah, just to round that off, yeah, Australia folks are having a big push to get drivers and mechanics and other types of professions to move there. They desperately want lots of people from the UK to move to Australia, skilled workers, so there may be an opportunity for you there to do that. Keep an eye on the Truck and Driver social media channels to find out more. Cameron, it has been a pleasure. I hope your DAF XG behaves itself um, over the coming months and year and you'll have a good time in that XG next week. Good luck with it all and I shall speak to you again soon. I'll do all the best. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.